Welcome to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast. We're so happy you're here today to learn about how to create fresh perspectives on profitability, people, productivity, and finding peace in your small business. Today, we're going to dive into how to impact your business in a way you may not have even thought of. So get ready, small business owners. And I say, hi, business rock stars, because that is you listeners. My name is Maggie Mongan, and I am your host today. I'm a tenured master business coach and strategist for almost 20 years now. I am the CEO of Brilliant Breakthroughs, Inc., which is a coaching practice specializing in guiding small businesses to optimize business performance and leadership. I'm all about improving the underserved small business sector. That's you. And I honestly believe that small business is the accelerant of our economy, so much so that inadvertently, I founded a number one best-selling business book series for small businesses. But don't worry, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Most importantly, like all good things, I didn't do it alone. I invited tenured experts to join me in the authoring process. And today we have with us one of our tenured experts a new number one international best-selling business author, Dr. Dennis Hill. And Dennis is a crusader. He crusades for human dignity of owning our own data as technology advances. Dennis creates solutions for business operations to be more useful to improve productivity and ultimately profitability. Wow, you're a busy guy, Dennis. Just a wee bit, Maggie. Thanks for that great introduction. I hope I can talk up to it. <laughs> well, let's see if you can. So I want to officially welcome you and congratulations on recently becoming that number one best-selling international best-selling. Well, you hit a couple different number ones. You were a bestseller, a business author, as well as an international best-selling author. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's quite an accomplishment, right? Okay. So now that we have all of that intro stuff out of the way, let's dive into this a little more. Your book is volume four. And that's the book that has the beautiful amethyst purple cover titled Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner, Fresh Perspectives on Profitability, People, Productivity, and finding peace in your business. Now, why I say that is when everybody goes to look, you're going to find out we have a series, and this is the fourth volume. So Dennis authored in volume four, Amethyst Cover. Dennis, your chapter is titled Integrate for Well-Managed Intentional Growth. That's a pretty cool title. It's neat because it's what I've been practicing and preaching probably for about 40 years. Oh, just 40 years. <laughs> Four decades. That's okay. like the entire computer age, but it's, it's a little, little less than that. Well, and that's a fascinating point, and I know we're going to be speaking about that shortly. And I want to share with you, I'm really thrilled that you're here in, first of all, in our series. So thank you for saying yes to the invitation. And secondly, um, that you can bring your expertise to the small business sector, because I don't think the small business sector is really being served well with what your expertise is. No. Oh, 
I, yes. <laughs> so let's talk about how to do this. It's, you know, and, and how we can help small businesses navigate through these innovative and transformative times that we are living in right now. Yeah, the, the, the issue, of course, is that the vast majority of businesses in America are small businesses. Uh, I think of, I think the last listing is somewhere around 17 million of the 17 million businesses in America, more than 15 million of them employ fewer than 100 and the vast majority of them, 12 million employ less than four people. So time matters, resources matter. And uh, a lot of people spend a lot of time reading books, attending classes, trying to cultivate their entrepreneurship, but there's other aspects to operating a small business. And a lot of it has to do with um, um, the owner and how they take on their own responsibilities for the various activities within the business. So, I mean, that's a lot of word salad. Let me, let me make it more specific. Small business owners, many of them fail. Many of their businesses fail. In fact, I think the statistic is 80% of them fail within the first five years. And of the, those that remain another 85% will fail in the next five years. That means 95% of all small businesses fail within the first decade that they're operating. To me, that's an astounding number and not one that's necessary. Uh, why does that happen? Uh, largely because a small business owner has a great idea. And so they think because it's a great idea, everything that's in their head is great. And as a result, it's very hard for them to learn and expand and grow beyond that um, and to really embrace change. One of those specific verticals is computer utilization. Today, we all use computers. Every single one of us use computers. So to avoid saying, you know, even, uh, even production machine operators, they sit there and they report production on a computer, they report time on a computer. Everybody is technologically attached. It doesn't mean that everybody, including the small business owner, needs to be an expert in every aspect of using computers. However, this approach that we talk about in the book, the fact that uh, you want to have an integrated information management solution for your organization, that is something that's easily learned. And that is something you just have to stick to like any other discipline. For example, you don't confuse your accounts receivable and your accounts payable. You don't confuse your accounts receivable with your cash in the bank. So don't confuse your spreadsheet with your accounting system and don't confuse your accounting system with your contact management system. These things are all supposed to work together. And if you have the right infrastructure, if you have the right banking partner, you can go to that partner to, to not only deposit your monies, but to fund your business and to offer your loans and to manage your PPP. It's the same thing with information architecture. You just need one approach, one underlying infrastructure that everything else plugs into and have an integrated solution. That in and of itself is what the chapter is about. How to make that happen so that you're not wasting time becoming a computer expert any more than you had to waste time to become a banking expert. Right. And I think what you just said is really valuable. I, I have a series of questions I want to ask you, but even before we go there, Dennis, I, I see technology um, as something that many small business owners resist or hesitate. They're reluctant. Okay. That's a great word. They're reluctant. And I hear, well, it's boring. 
<laughs> and it, it's not sexy like social media is. It, it's not feeding my ego or my pride. It's not giving me a warm fuzzy. And, you know, I, I go to challenge them on that and say, but maybe it could be. And, and that, that throws them back a little bit to look at it a little differently. Maybe it's going to do things for you that you didn't even know you should be looking at in your business. Uh, and that's not even a maybe. That, that's a fact. We don't know what we don't know. And so we're constantly surprised, right, by, by the things we discover. Uh, even our own software here at, at Xacta surprises me. The other day, we were uh, doing a test. Uh, our marketing guy was putting together a video and very interestingly, um, he downloaded a grocery list, added to the grocery list, put it back into the family organizer, then went to go search for it in the wall, which is really easy. You just simply put in a word. So he put in the word grocery. Well, the name of the file was groceries. And uh, it was very interesting because the document itself had a very nice little letter, you know, label at the top, grocery, and it was in script and it found it. Nice. Now what's interesting was you couldn't find the word grocery if you brought that PDF in and that PDF up in Adobe. You type in the word grocery, it didn't see it. That's because Adobe's trained to look at, and, and most scanning systems are designed to look at block text like you would see in a typed out document. We look at images our artificial intelligence actually looks at and indexes images. So that word grocery being script was assessed by our engine and converted into the word grocery in our index. So Rob's, Rob's response was, oh my gosh, our software is smarter than Adobe. I don't know if I would want to market it on that basis. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that even, even the people who write software like ourselves today have been doing it for a lifetime are even surprised by by what machine learning and AI and all this affords us. Now, imagine what that means in terms of document scanning and all the stuff we do. I had a phone call this morning from the manager of the Technology Innovation Center who said, we have scanned all of our documents from the last decade. We have 25 years total and we need to start destroying these things. I said, let me make sure I understand this. You want to, you want to shred them? And she said, yes. I said, okay, well, we know a shredding company uh, that, that can handle that. I said, but what made you start scanning in the first place? And she said, just to save the real estate. We don't, we don't need all this space with file cabinets. And Lord knows we don't need to be going to search for them. And I said, you are a godsend to the reason why we've incorporated uh, document management in our, in our contact relationship management software for exactly that reason. If software and systems doesn't restore time to your calendar, especially as a business owner, then you probably shouldn't be using that software. You, you, you didn't start a business to become a software engineer or to be a, even a software user, right? You started a business in order to sell a product or a service. And therefore your customer facing time is far more valuable than you're sitting there and doing data entry and building a a constant contact email and cleaning up mailing lists and doing whatever you're doing, right? So that's where, uh, that's where philosophically I've come from for literally 40 years. We, I started out in my 20s integrating manufacturing and accounting systems along with the first uh, enterprise class CRM. 
And here I am 40 years later, banging on the same drum like the little drummer boy in the manger, expecting, expecting the world to recognize what wonderful gift we've given them in software. And, um, you know, some people put me in their nativity set and some people don't. <laughs> I, I love that. And in case you're wondering, we're recording this uh, on the cost or the threshold of the holiday season beginning. Thus, <laughs> my favorite time of the year. Ah, ha, ha. it's the most wonderful time of the year. I've heard once or twice. Yep. Yep. Okay. So there is this practical need to have better technology. Technology, you know, we, we heard the term in the 80s and 90s about seamless. Well, now technology has really caught up to that concept where we can have seamless. Back then it was an ideal, I think, in a, in a, a dream that we were moving towards. And now, granted, it's not perfect yet. We still have the capability, just like what you said in the example. I love how AI is making our lives easier. And most of us don't even realize it is. No. Well, software's, software that interoperates with each other is, is fantastic, right? So big companies, we'll call them large enterprises or enterprise class companies, they can pay to have people sit there and customize interfaces between their sales force and their SAP. That happens all the time because for whatever reason, they believe that their processes are unique and therefore they need something unique in their software. I say phooey. That's absolutely not true. I don't care if you're Fortune 1 company, let alone Fortune 100, 500, or 1,000, or you're a, or a small business owner. Integration and interoperability is not just desired. It's a necessity to be competitively um, functioning in today's economy. Your, your competition is doing it. And if they're doing it and they're providing a better user experience, uh, an easier online ordering process, a quicker fulfillment to their, to their uh, request for uh, products and services, then they are going to get the deal, period. And as long as they maintain that or sustain that relationship and don't screw up, they're going to retain and maintain that client relationship and you'll never get it. I've seen it in the printing industry. I've seen it in the software industry. I've seen it in the roofing industry. I've seen it in the small contractor industry. Heck, I've even seen it in the publishing industry. So what I think is very profound here is that what is good for big business is also good for small business. The interesting thing is the small business people tend to operate more with greater agility. Yes. And so they're able to adapt quicker and be able to employ the right tools. And if you select the right infrastructure with that flexibility and agility matching to what you as a business owner um, are typically capable of, then you're not constantly reinventing the wheel. You're not constantly doing things from scratch, especially in the IT area. Um, and you are able to spend more time customer facing. Okay. To me, that makes sense. I have these conversations with my clients all the time. How do they take this one system and get the report that they need on their balance sheet or their P&L, right? And they don't have to know how that all works. They just have to make sure that it is working mm -hmm. is what you're saying, right? right? And there are experts. Let's use the, the financial statements, as you said, companies that do job costing, for example, small companies, right? Oh, I can't do job costing. I don't have anybody to do you don't need people to do it. You're capturing the same information, whether it's labor and material in your accounting system. 
You just need somebody who knows the accounting system well enough to set that up for you. And believe me, when it comes to job costing and QuickBooks, not only do we do it and do it very well, I know the person who wrote the book on it. She lives in Vermont and I have her phone number and we can get her involved in a very, very inexpensive way to do job costing for those 4.8 million users of QuickBooks out there that want to know if they're making money on each job or if they're losing money on each job. And that is very important. Oh yeah, because the financial statements are like water over the dam. Oh, oh well, there it is. Well, we made money that month. How do we do that? I have no clue. Mm. Which jobs were profitable? Which customers profitable? Don't have any clue. You're not using the tools right and you're intimidated by the tools because you, you don't become an expert overnight and you don't have the time to become the expert. So you need to have people already put this together. That's what integration means. There are a lot of integrators out there. There are tons of them. And then they, they will tell you, yeah, I'm a business analyst. I'm a business analyst. What you find out is that they're just analysts and they don't understand your business at all. That's one thing that Exacta has longevity with. We've been here since 1976. I've been uh, using computers since 1974. And I've always used them in a way and taught my students when I was a professor the same thing. Use them in a way that benefits the end user. How does this improve my life? How does this make less work for me? How does this streamline processes so that I don't have to put in as much time? And, and it's interesting because the the numbers, as I said before, of who's successful and who's not successful as far as businesses go, come down to today, a very, very strategic misapplication of technology and time. Misapplication of technology and time. That's powerful. Yeah, well, do I need constant contact or do I need MailChimp? How about if I said if you had the right CRM, you didn't need either? Oh, well, most there you people, go. Most people don't respond to those at all anymore. I mean, the, 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 the formatted pretty emails that describe all sorts of beautiful flowing things about you have gone out the door. And I don't know if you've noticed, but in the past year and a half, now we're getting very simple two, three line emails from somebody who you either know or you don't know. They're either on your white list or they're on your black list. Well, that's becoming an opportunity for companies like ours to help intelligently, again, using machine learning and artificial intelligence, discern who should be on the white list and who should be on the black list. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so that uh, so that the numbers, the amount of time that I spend and, and small business owners will tell you their number one distraction is processing emails. So why would you as a business owner want to invest goodles and oodles of time on creating beautiful email management systems and all these beautiful templates that nobody wants to read? Anyhow, you become part of the problem. Well, it is very fascinating because last fall, so short, well, a little more than a year ago, I was on the faculty for an event and one of the young men stood up and started talking about emails and how we need to, we are in a very unique situation right now where we need to learn how to appease the robotic overlords as well as the humans. We did the human thing. We're trying to figure out the robotic overlords, AI, et cetera, as you are speaking. And we need to change how we do emails for business. And he, mm -hmm. he point blank came out of the gate and he talked about several things. And I was just floored. And I said to him as he was walking off the stage, I said, I think I would like to buy you lunch. And I picked his brain for an hour. 
It was great. It was the best, one of the best investments I had made. <laughs> That's a good consulting activity right there because I, I have never charged a client if they have bought the meal. <laughs> so most of my clients usually schedule lunch or dinner meetings. Occasionally a, a, a bold one will schedule a breakfast knowing as early as I start. <laughs> but it it does matter and and I guess that's the other part of this story as we're talking about how do we utilize all of this tech because before we did have to well I'll I'll say this it felt often at times that we did need to have extra training in technology in softwares to learn how to use them but that's changed in the last several years oh, yeah. so I, I you know my message is forget that old way of thinking because that doesn't exist there's a new way and we need to step into the new way of showing up and you do that um, in a really great way with what you offer and in your chapter, you very specifically took us through this wonderful process and you outlined it in your chapter. Um, perhaps it, now might be a good time to talk about how to better integrate information systems to help our business. Would you like to share a little bit about your chapter? Well, the, the, the issue of course is, is working with technology, but not for the sake of technology. You, if all you want to do is keep up with the Joneses, then get onto an upgrade program for your cell phone and your tablet, and your desktop computer. And every time you get a good deal for your, your internet provider to expand your bandwidth upgrade and just, just keep subscribing to more and more and more new, new, new. The, the, the issue is whether or not the person has really saved themselves any or their staff. I, I won't even get into delegation and abdication issues and that sort of thing. I leave that up to the other authors to talk about. But you, you need to be technically savvy to the point that you recognize that technology is a strategic asset to the company, just like money, just like people. And, uh, and if you're not dealing with it in a strategic manner, then, then you need to get your head screwed on right before you even begin. Um, 45% of respondents to a survey indicated that they could not really extract themselves from the things that distracted them largely in the area of technology. As I said earlier, mm. emails, boom, 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 boom. Uh, you called them, uh, what kind of overlords? Robotic overlords. Okay. <laughs> so one of the things that we have in our, in our software solutions, and we kind of hinted this uh, approach in our in, in the chapter on the book is to integrate. In other words, look at where your islands are at or where your bridges are at between systems and ask yourself, how can I make this data not have to be replicated in two or three or more places in my organization? Where can I have that sit in one reference database? And, and the solution to that is exactly the reason why CRM has become the number one selling software in the world over ERP and anything else that's out there. Because at the end of the day, the old adage, people buy from people still matters. Mm -hmm. And so it's all relationship building. So your infrastructure at the core fundamentally that will integrate all these little tools and services has to be relationship driven. Whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's job cost, whether it's emails, whether it's surveys, whether it's accounting transactions, buying, selling, 
all of that information needs to hit the CRM at the court. And uh, again, people go into it with the wrong strategic view in mind. Oh, this one is free and I don't know anything about it. So I'm going to select that. And then they waste a whole bunch of time figuring out how to get their spreadsheets imported to it. And then they realize, oh, there's no workflow here. There's nothing that maps to the way I run my business. There's no processes. So even after they get the technology in place, they don't realize all of the unspoken costs that go along with you as a two or $300 an hour person as a business owner. You're not minimum wage, you're not zero wage, although all of us would argue probably in small business, we're not paid what we're worth. Take your annual revenue or better yet, take what you project your revenue should be and divide that by 2000. And now you've got your hourly equivalent. Do you really wanna spend that kind of money trying to figure out how to put a spreadsheet into your CRM? crazy no 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 and so so what we want to do is is and what we do do is help our clients realize where those interfaces are at those islands need to be in, uh, incorporated and from that we come back with an integrated strategy at the core being a crm and we don't even care if it's a competitive package we just happen to know that exact has been proven to be so state-of-the-art most people who see it we, we measure our meetings and the number of wows that come out of people's mouths when they see what we can do. <laughs> okay. So for some reason, this is still a barrier for, for businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And I know because I read your chapter, we've had conversations that this can be smoothed over and we can integrate as easily, but most business owners, entrepreneurs, still don't understand that. How do we move forward for better well, success? A, okay, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Uh, it's not a straight line. Okay, I, I can deal with that, but I know a lot we, of people can't. I know, we would love to be able to get to point from A to B as a straight line. But as one person years ago showed me, I was in my mid-20s and he was the president of the university and he took me to lunch and he said, I would like you to be an officer of the institution one day, but I need you to realize that in order to get from A to B, and he had the, the salt shaker and the pepper shaker and some other things out there, he said, you can go straight up, in which case this falls over, that falls over, this the old bull in the china shop thing. It never works that way. It's actually more serpentine. You have to go around, navigate, always keeping an eye on the objective that's ahead of you. And ultimately that serpentine dance will not just be a long-term objective, it's a short-term objective, and it actually becomes an hour-to-hour -hour issue for the small business owner. You don't become a micromanager. You're still thinking in terms of the long-term goal. But like success being a state of mind, you don't turn it on at 8 a.m., turn it off at 5 p.m. It's 24-7. So when you think in terms of this dodging and, and navigating so that you can still get to your goal through the serpentine manner, that becomes hour-to-hour. And that benefit results in achieving a better life work balance ultimately and achieving your personal growth goals. Uh, and, and those are the business because as an SBO, as a small business owner, your personal growth goal, you, your personal growth goal is measured in the, per, in, the, in the professional growth of the business. No matter what people tell you, no matter how many psychologists and psychiatrists tell you to detach yourself from those systems of measure, a small business owner evaluates themselves in light of the success of their small business. Yes. Part of that's because everybody else looks at them that they think 
they think everybody else looks at them that way. That may or may not be true. I'll leave that up to the the, the psychologists and, and, and psychiatrists to, to work out. But I think if we don't do that, that idea of life-work balance becomes um, um, a t too challenging, too challenging. And I think it leads to frustration and double-mindedness that ultimately results in the person giving up. Okay. So, That's pretty heavy stuff. Sorry about that. No, that, that is, but it, it's all right. I want to pull some of it back because we, we started out broad, then we went really deep and I want to pull us back a little bit mm -hmm. um, because I know in your chapter, you were talking about how we have isolated systems, interface systems, and systems that may or may not be integrated. That's really what you've been addressing. Can, mm -hmm. you, can you help us understand that just a little more so as um as our listeners are being with this they can be thinking and assessing really where they're at even if it's a basic assessment i think that will give them a clue as to what to do next absolutely so an isolated system is exactly that it's something that sits by itself and somebody's maintaining um Two isolated systems, for example, that I can give you an, an illustration of, would be your, your accounting system that you would uh, derive some report from, maybe a sales performance or whatever. And then a spreadsheet is sitting over here that that, that person's maintaining to indicate uh, sales growth over time, simply because they don't know how to get the sales report out except for that period, that maybe that month. And, and what somebody's asked for Maybe you as the small business owner would like to see the trending. So you'd like to see the sales from last month and the month before, maybe all the way back to the beginning of the fiscal year, maybe back multiple fiscal years. So somebody's using the computer in order to put data into it in the first place, the accounting system put the order in. Then they generate a report from the accounting system, which they then go over here and start typing data into again, into that spreadsheet so that it produces the graph the way you want. That that's first of all, not the proper use of the systems because they are capable of, of uh, providing those kinds of reports. You just don't know what you don't know. Okay, so mm -hmm. I'd like to interrupt for a moment. Mm -hmm. I think that addresses the point of technology has advanced and it's become much more seamless with AI, but we need to use it differently. What I was referencing a little earlier. So. Yeah. So now it may not necessarily be the task of the small business owner to learn all these different softwares and how they all integrate. It may be to find the better tool, right? Right. Okay. Well, it's the, well, but that's a really good question. There, there is a better tool. There's always going to be a better tool. That's just the evolution of technology, but you can't uh, just treat people that way, right? People are knowledge-based and time-based. If they don't have a lot of knowledge, they better have a lot of time. If they don't have a lot of time, they better be an expert in whatever they're doing so that they don't exit. That When I describe people, I bring it down to those things. They say an employee brings time and knowledge to a business. If they don't have a lot of one, they better have a lot of the other. Right. Um, and then the, then the owner or the, the managers have to decide whether or not they can afford the very time-intensive person. So long story short, I think as we, we, we look at uh, this idea of technology changing, people change too, right? Mm -hmm. And if anything has brought to bear um, a self-assessment uh, in 2020, it's been the fact that people have been 
dislocated or uh, from jobs that they thought were important to them, they certainly would find that the income is, is essential, but their job has been labeled non-essential. And so they were laid off for three months or more. Uh, and, and, and as the pandemic has continued, people have come and gone, hours have been shut down, companies have been closed temporarily. And, and we're still not resolved universally across the country, let alone across the world at this point. So what do people need to do? They need to be willing to grow and they can only grow through education and training. Uh, they can grow through experimentation too and sit there and try to figure things out. But with the library of videos that are online, say for example, on Google and YouTube, uh, there's no reason why a person needs to waste any more than 10 minutes to figure out how to get that sales report to show the whole past year of sales in QuickBooks. Got it. Okay. So isolated, not so favorable doesn't serve us the way that we may be perceiving it does. Interfacing slows us down. It's still better, but we have other approaches that we can use now that weren't there 10 years ago, right? Right. And a, and a, lot, of, a lot of companies today have adopted the interface model, but the problem there is like, like tectonic plates where the continental plates match one another, that's an interface. So as one slides, for example, as one piece of software outgrows the other and updates occur, you get a, a, an incompatibility there that disrupts the operation. And that disruption in, in the tectonic plate world is an earthquake. Um, you might as well consider it an earthquake in a business when two pieces of software that used to talk to each other every day that you come to depend upon is now broken. Okay, so some of those bridges that do the interface like you're talking about are Zapier a APIs and that happens all the time. I mean, I get, I, get to I get a message, oh, you need to go ahead and reconnect or your token's about to expire or oops, guess what? We haven't been connected for the last three weeks and we're just letting you know now. Exactly. Uh-oh, uh-oh, that's not good for business. So mm -hmm. integrated is the solution. It's just we need to go ahead and look at it differently than we have in the past, right? Yes, identify your pain points. What keeps you up at night when it comes to systems and, and the flow of information from the customer being greeted to the customer being surveyed for a well-delivered service or product. Okay, find the pain points. Well, I think you just shared with us that we probably have more pain points than we've realized before we started listening to this episode, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, Dennis, I know we have much more that we can speak of. And the good news is we have several more episodes to go for you to unpack this a little more for us. And every time you unpack it, I, I ask that you button us up a little bit so we can advance until you show up again. <laughs> so right now, with what we just shared, what would the power move be for a small business owner to take? until they hear from you again. Look at your processes, look at your people and map that, that relationship with the client or customer or prospective client and customer through that customer satisfaction survey. Now, I know the small business owner is gonna say, but we don't do customer satisfaction surveys. We don't have time. Uh -oh. I'm gonna say it again, look at every point 
from the beginning to the feedback on how that service or product was delivered, every step in that. If need be, uh, I think they can go to um, our website that's referenced in the book uh, that uh, would allow them then to download the recipe for the small business owner and how to evaluate these things. It's basically how to conduct the needs assessment and, and identify those pain points. Um, intuitively, I might say that everybody kind of knows what they are within their own organization, intuitively. But like I said, if you're not doing customer feedback surveys, you've missed an entire limb of the patient. And uh, you, know, you don't wanna go around armless or legless in your organization uh, unnecessarily challenged when you could be doing these things very easily with an integrated solution. And that whole thing uh, from the beginning to the end, there is no end. It just recycles and renews over and over again. It's just like running that restaurant. It's how many times can you turn that table over? Do I want to have to find a thousand new customers every year? Or can I work with the 100 that come in 10 times a year? That's, that's what I want is the repeat business, the repeat relationship. And that's what grows from, from that total engagement process. So start with the pain points from beginning to end and realize that if there are gaps there, uh, we can provide that guidance through our online recipe download uh, or wait for the remaining podcast. Ooh, there you go. Well, I always tell my clients that wherever there are gaps, there are opportunities. And when they're moving from traction to growth, the first thing we do is we try to find every gap possible. Okay, half, the, half the story. That's half the story. I can leap over the gaps, but I have speed bumps, right? <laughs> okay. And that's what happens. These are the pain points too. Pain points are gaps because I don't want to jump. Pain points are speed bumps too because I really don't want to touch them, but we're doing it anyhow. These are, these are the processes that they're doing in order to get through the day, like that person who's taking that data out of one program in the computer and typing it into another program in the computer. These, these are the speed bumps that are also going to impede that, uh, that action moving to traction and that traction to growth and that growth to scalability. Right, right. Okay, so as you're saying that, you know what came to my mind? Uh-oh. A brilliant breakthrough. <laughs> well, that would be wonderful. Um, actually, no, a, a truth check, which is as soon as you say, but we do it this way, or we've always done it this way, that's, that's where you want to focus first, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's a good tip, a very practical tip, as this all has been. And I thank you, Dennis. You're going to wow us next time, aren't you? Woohoo. <laughs> Woohoo. Okay. All right. Thanks um, to all those listeners out there who've made the book a number one bestseller and, and uh, really appreciate the great work, Maggie, that, that you and the publishing team have done on making Brilliant Breakthroughs a wonderful series. Again, I, I have to plug this because I know you're not a self-promoter. So let me say this in a sense that if a, a small business owner cannot afford or is afraid of putting together an outside board of directors or advisors beyond the people who they've trusted since they were born to give them advice, buy all four volumes. Buy them all. Read them all. Take the nuggets out of each and every chapter, and there are nuggets in each and every chapter. 
and apply it to your business. And guess what? There'll be a volume five and a volume six and a volume seven. All should be required reading for anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur or a manager or even a technician when it comes to running businesses. We need, we need that overview. And um, this will keep you abreast of, of the changing circumstances that you need to adapt to and be an agile small business owner. So plug there for you. Buy the book. Cheaper than a board of directors. Oh, considerably indeed. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you for that, Dennis, because mm -hmm. I do believe that that is the truth. This, this wisdom sharing that's in our series is priceless. Well, and at the end of the day, we're Thanksgiving, right? So I know, I know you like to have the last word, so I'll let you have the last word, but let me put this in here just before you have the last word. How does one measure success in business? Many would say it's sales and profits, but entrepreneurs are a unique breed of people who would see the answer and how enriched their own lives are as a result of developing the business and for those whom they care the most, their family, their employees, their customers. And in many cases, we don't even think about the vendors that supply us, but we all stand on other shoulders. So at the end of the day, given the holiday spirit that we're embarking on, have a great Thanksgiving because small business owners are big thanks givers. There you are. There you are. I love that. Thank you, Dennis. So listeners, this is how you can learn more and engage with number one international best-selling author, Dennis Hill. Start by reading chapter six in volume four of Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. If you go to Amazon, which is where most people are shopping these days, remember it's the one with the amethyst cover. And you can also gift your businesses, uh, your business a, a huge performance boost by taking Dennis up on his invitation at the end of his author's page at the bottom, very bottom. He has a special offer there just for you. And it is what he was talking about. It's going to help guide you through these next steps. So please do that. You'll be pretty amazed. Plus, at the end of Dennis's chapter, he has all sorts of different social media sites uh, for you to go ahead and connect with him. But here's something that's really cool. Right now, you can see everything about the book and how to get a hold of it and Dennis by going to the books app, Brilliant Biz Book. Go download that from your app store, Brilliant Biz Book. It's free. And when you get there, click on a feature called Ask an Expert, and you'll see Dennis Hill's name right there. And then type him a question, because after this episode, I imagine you have like two or three, if not four or five questions. And guess what? He'll get that, and he'll respond back to you. Right, Dennis? That's correct. That's a pretty cool bonus, I think. Real-time access. Well, your community is in the palm of your hand. There you go. Last, feel free to go and listen to Dennis's other episode, which is 155, where he starts to share with everyone what this whole concept is about. So this, this is mm, a sequential learning, I believe. It would be advantageous to listen to episode 155. And Dennis, we want to thank you for your time and your wisdom sharing today. Thank you, Maggie. My pleasure. Indeed. It always is a wonderful time when we get together. We probably make other people's heads hurt, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and listeners, we appreciate you listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast, where you learn about how to create more brilliant breakthroughs for your small business. Shine brightly until next week. <laughs>